0: chapter twelve of mrs craddock by william somerset maugham this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva the passion to analyze the casual fellow-creature was the most absorbing vice that miss ley possessed and no ties of relationship or affection the two go not invariably together prevented her from exercising her talents in that direction she observed bertha and edward during luncheon bertha was talkative chattering with a vivacity that seemed suspicious about the neighbours mrs branderton's new bonnets and new hair miss glover's good works and mr glover's visits to london edward was silent except when he pressed miss ley to take a second helping he ate largely and the maiden lady noticed the enormous mouthfuls he took and the heartiness with which he drank his beer of course she drew conclusions and she drew further conclusions when having devoured half a pound of cheese and taken a last drink of ale he pushed back his chair and with a sort of low roar reminding one of a beast of prey gorged with food said ah well i suppose i must set about my work there's no rest for the weary he pulled a new briarwood pipe from his pocket filled it and lit it i feel better now well so long i shall be into tea conclusions buzzed about miss ley like midges on a summer's day she drew them all the afternoon she drew them all through dinner bertha was effusive too unusually so and miss ley asked herself a dozen times if this stream of chatter these peals of laughter proceeded from a light heart or from a base desire to deceive a middle-aged and inquiring aunt after dinner edward telling her that of course she was one of the family so he hoped she did not wish him to stand on ceremony began to read the paper when bertha at miss ley's request played the piano good manners made him put it aside and he yawned a dozen times in a quarter of an hour i mustn't play any more said bertha or edward will go to sleep won't you darling i shouldn't wonder he replied laughing the fact is that the things bertha plays when we've got company give me the fair hump edward only consents to listen when i play the Blue Bells of scotland or yankee doodle bertha made the remark smiling good-naturedly at her husband but miss ley drew conclusions i don't mind confessing that i can't stand all this foreign music what i say to bertha is why can't you play english stuff if you must play at all interposed his wife after all said and done the bluebells of scotland has got a tune about it that a fellow can get his teeth into you see there's the difference said bertha strumming a few bars of rule britannia it sets mine on edge well i'm patriotic retorted edward i like the good honest homely english airs i like em because they're english i'm not ashamed to say that for me the best piece of music that's ever been written is god save the queen which was written by a german dear edward said miss ley smiling that's as it may be said edward unabashed but the sentiment's english and that's all i care about hear hear cried bertha i believe edward has aspirations towards a political career i know i shall finish up as the wife of the local m p i'm patriotic said edward and i'm not ashamed to confess it rue britannia sang bertha britannia rules the waves britons never never shall be slaves tararabundi tararabundi it's the same everywhere now proceeded the orator we're choke full of foreigners and their goods i think it's scandalous english music isn't good enough for you you get it from france and germany where do you get your butter from brittany where do you get your meat from new zealand this he said with great scorn and bertha punctuated the observation with a resounding chord and as far as the butter goes it isn't butter (laughs) it's margarine where does your bread come from america your vegetables from jersey your fish from the sea interposed bertha and so it is all along the line the british farmer hasn't got a chance to this speech bertha played a burlesque accompaniment which would have irritated a more sensitive man than craddock but he merely laughed good-naturedly bertha won't take these things seriously he said passing his hand affectionately over her hair she suddenly stopped playing and his good humor joined with the loving gesture filled her with remorse her eyes filled with tears you are a dear good thing she faltered and i'm utterly horrid now don't talk stuff before aunt polly you know she'll laugh at us oh i don't care said bertha smiling happily she stood up and linked her arm with his eddie is the best-tempered person in the world he's perfectly wonderful he must be indeed said miss ley if you have preserved your faith in him after six months of marriage but the maiden lady had stored so many observations that she felt an urgent need to retire to the privacy of her bedchamber and sort them she kissed bertha and held out her hand to edward oh if you kiss bertha you must kiss me too said he bending forward with a laugh upon my word said miss ley somewhat taken aback then as he was evidently insisting she embraced him on the cheek she positively blushed the upshot of miss ley's investigations was that once again the hymeneal path had been found strewn with roses and the idea crossed her head as she lay it on the pillow that dr ramsay would certainly come and crow over her it was not in masculine human nature she thought to miss an opportunity of exulting over a vanquished foe he'll vow that i was the direct cause of the marriage the dear man he'll be so pleased with my discomfiture that i shall never hear the last of it he's sure to call to-morrow indeed the news of miss ley's arrival had been by edward industriously spread abroad and promptly mrs ramsay put on her blue velvet calling dress and in the doctor's brougham drove with him to court Lay's. the ramsays found miss glover and the vicar of leanham already in possession of the field mr glover looked thinner and older than when miss ley had last seen him he was more weary meek and browbeaten miss glover never altered the parish said the parson in answer to miss ley's polite inquiry i'm afraid it's in a bad way the dissenters have got a new chapel you know and they say the salvation army is going to set up barracks as they call them it's a great pity the government doesn't step in after all we are established by law and the law ought to protect us from encroachment you don't believe in liberty of conscience asked miss ley my dear miss ley said the vicar in his tired voice everything has its limits i should have thought there was in the established church enough liberty of conscience for any one things are becoming dreadful in leanham said miss glover practically all the tradesmen go to chapel now and it makes it so difficult for us yes replied the vicar with a weary sigh and as if we hadn't enough to put up with i hear that walker has ceased coming to church oh dear oh dear said miss glover walker the baker asked edward yes and now the only baker in leanham who goes to church is andrews Well." we can't possibly deal with him charles said miss glover his bread is too bad my dear we must groaned her brother it would be against all my principles to deal with a tradesman who goes to chapel you must tell walker to send his book in unless he will give an assurance that he'll come to church regularly but andrew's bread always gives you indigestion charles cried miss glover i must put up with it if none of our martyrdoms were more serious than that we should have no cause to complain well it's quite easy to get your bread from turcumberry said mrs ramsay who was severely practical mr glover and his sister threw up their hands in dismay then andrews would go to chapel too the only thing that keeps him at church i'm sorry to say is the vicarage custom or the hope of getting it presently miss ley found herself alone with the parson's sister you must be very glad to see bertha again miss ley now she's going to crow thought the good lady of course i am and it must be such a relief to you to see how well it's all turned out miss ley looked sharply at miss glover but saw no trace of irony oh i think it's beautiful to see a married couple so thoroughly happy it really makes me feel a better woman when i come here and see how those two worship one another of course the poor thing's a perfect idiot thought miss ley yes it's very satisfactory she said dryly she glanced round for dr Ramsay, looking forward notwithstanding that she was on the losing side to the tussle she foresaw she had the instincts of a good fighter and even though defeat was inevitable never avoided an encounter the doctor approached well miss ley so you have come back to us we're all delighted to see you how cordial these people are thought miss ley somewhat crossly thinking dr ramsay's remark preliminary to coarse banter or to reproach shall we take a turn in the garden i'm sure you wish to quarrel with me there's nothing i should like better to walk in the garden i mean of course no one could quarrel with so charming a person as yourself he would never be so polite if he did not mean afterwards to be very rude thought miss ley i'm glad you like the garden craddock has improved it so wonderfully it's a perfect pleasure to look at all he's done this miss ley considered a gibe and searched for a repartee but finding none was silent miss ley was a wise woman they walked a few steps without a word and then dr ramsay suddenly burst out well miss ley you were right after all she stopped and looked at the speaker he seemed quite serious yes he said i don't mind acknowledging it i was wrong it's a great triumph for you isn't it he looked at her and shook with good-tempered laughter is he making fun of me miss ley asked herself with something not very distantly removed from agony this was the first occasion upon which she had failed to understand not only the good doctor but his inmost thoughts as well so you think the estate has been improved she said hurriedly i can't make out how the men's done so much in so short a time why just look at it miss ley pursed her lips even in its most dilapidated days court lays looked gentlemanly now all this she glanced round with upturned nose might be the country mansion of a port butcher my dear miss ley you must pardon my saying so but the place wasn't even respectable but it is now that is my complaint my dear doctor in the old days the passer-by could see that the owners of court leys were decent people that they could not make both ends meet was a detail it was possibly because they burnt one end too rapidly which is the sign of a rather delicate mind miss ley was mixing her metaphors and the passer-by moralized accordingly for a gentleman there are only two decorous states absolute poverty or overpowering wealth the middle condition is vulgar now the passer-by sees thrift and careful management the ends meet but they do it aggressively as if it were something to be proud about pennies are looked at before they are spent and good heavens the lays serve to point a moral and adorn a tale the lays who gambled and squandered their substance who bought diamonds when they hadn't bread, and pawned the diamonds to give the king a garden party now formed the heading of a copy book and the ideal of a market gardener miss ley had the characteristics of the true phrase maker for so long as her period was well rounded she didn't mind how much nonsense it contained coming to the end of her tirade she looked at the doctor for the signs of disapproval which she thought her right but he merely laughed i see you want to rub it in he said what on earth does the creature mean miss ley asked herself i confess i did believe things would turn out badly the doctor proceeded and i couldn't help thinking he'd be tempted to play ducks and drakes with the whole property well i don't mind frankly acknowledging that bertha couldn't have chosen a better husband he's a thoroughly good fellow no one realized what he had in him and there's no knowing how far he'll go a man would have expressed miss ley's feeling with a little whistle but that lady merely raised her thin eyebrows then dr ramsay shared the opinion of miss glover and what precisely is the opinion of the county she asked of that odious mrs branderton of mrs ryle she has no right to the mayston at all of the hancocks and the rest edward craddock has won golden opinions all round everyone likes him and thinks well of him no i assure you although i'm not so fond as all that of confessing i was wrong he's the right man in the right place it's extraordinary how people took up to him and respect him already i give you my word for it bertha has reason to congratulate herself a girl doesn't pick up a husband like that every day of the week miss ley smiled it was a great relief to find that she really was no more foolish than most people so she modestly put it for a doubt on the subject had given her some uneasiness so everyone thinks they're as happy as turtle-doves why so they are cried the doctor surely you don't think otherwise miss ley never considered it a duty to dispel the error of her fellow-creatures and whenever she had a little piece of knowledge vastly preferred keeping it to herself she answered to the doctor's question i make a point of thinking with the majority it's the only way to get a reputation for wisdom but miss ley after all was only human which do you think is the predominant partner she asked smiling dryly the man as he should be gruffly replied the doctor do you think he has more brains ah you're a feminist said dr ramsay with great scorn my dear doctor my gloves are sixes and perceive my shoes she put out for the old gentleman's inspection a very pointed high-heeled shoe displaying at the same time the elaborate open work of a silk stocking do you intend me to take that as an acknowledgment of the superiority of man heavens how argumentative you are miss ley laughed for she was getting into her own particular element i knew you wished to quarrel with me do you really want my opinion yes well it seems to me that if you take the very clever woman and set her beside an ordinary man you prove nothing that is how women mostly argue we place george eliot who by the way had nothing of the woman but petticoats and those not always, beside plain John Smith, and ask tragically if such a woman can be considered inferior to such a man. But that's silly. The question I've been asking myself for the last five-and-twenty years is whether the average fool of a woman is a greater fool than the average fool of a man. And the answer? Well, upon my word, I don't think there's much to choose between them then you haven't really an opinion on the subject at all cried the doctor that is why i give it you <clears> Hm <throat> grunted dr ramsay and how does that apply to the craddocks it doesn't apply to them i don't think bertha is a fool she couldn't be having had the discretion to be born your niece eh why doctor you're growing quite pert they had finished the tour of the garden and mrs ramsay was seen in the drawing-room bidding bertha good-bye now seriously miss ley said the doctor they're quite happy aren't they every one thinks so every one is always right said miss ley and what is your opinion good heavens what an insistent man it is well dr ramsay all i would suggest is that for bertha you know the book of life is written throughout in italics for edward it is all in the big round hand of the copy-book headings don't you think it will make the reading of the book somewhat difficult chapter twelve